right? We don't have to do guesswork right? um, when, it, we, when it comes to this because God promised he would answer our prayers and you prayed to the Lord and, and you saw the, the answers to the prayers. You witnessed it. You experienced it. Um, very good. Certainly, uh, that, that is one powerful one. What, anyone else? How do you know? Yes, in the back. Yes. That's right. So we, we, we know just simply based on the fact that we walk by faith and not by sight. And sure, I mean, it's, it's some of the things that God does we, as we walk by faith, we, we can only describe it with the word amazing, right? We go, wow, you know, God is absolutely amazing. That was amazing how that worked out. Or, you know, we can use uh, different ideas within that statement. We walk by faith in joy. And faith is evi- based on evidence, right? It's based on all the evidence in all your lives that you've witnessed God, you've lived without God, and you've watched that, and you live with God. And if you can't tell the difference, I, I, maybe you haven't been looking, right? Because I, I know that there's an obvious difference between living with God and living without God. In fact, one of the places I hear it the most is, I don't know how people go through death and all the, you know, the ter- terrible things, terribleness of life without God. You know? and, they, and they get through it, but it's, but it's like um, when you're comfortable with, with something, you just you live life, but you don't realize you're not even living life. You're just here, right? But, but just being here becomes um, acceptable. Like when you're, when, you've, uh, when you're injured, and if you're going to be injured for the rest of your life, you just get used to it, right? And if all of a sudden you were healed, like the woman who uh, she, she grabs Jesus' um, uh, you know, his, his, him of his garment. And then she notices instantly she was healed, right? She had an issue of blood. She was hemorrhaging. She had hemorrhage for 18 years, I think it was. When, when you're sick, you, you get used to it. But when you feel better, you know the difference, right? It's just pretty amazing. So, um, yeah, living with God. Just abs- anything else? Yes. Or his word, then I can connect his providence or whatever you might want to say, his closeness into my life personally. And I can see the difference. I can go look back and go, that's what happened. Or that's why. Now I know God. It's probably this thing, sorry. It's one of us. Even Randall heard that. (laughs) So, sorry. But. Now I know that God has truly always been there. Whether I knew it back then or not, I just now learning about it. So that's one thing I can see in retrospect about my life with God. And, and certainly that providence is, is powerful, you're right. Um, yeah, Pat has it really bad. He can't say he couldn't hear my sermon because it's coming <laughs> into his ear. <laughs> uh, but we, we cannot discount. So providence is, is a provable, non-provable, right? It's like, uh, because we go, we know everything has to come from the Word of God. And so um, I like to try to explain providence. Like, you know, God uh, tells us to go to Homer. And, and um, it's easier doing this from Soldatna than it is Anchorage. But 
He puts you on the road. Uh, he has the gas in the car. Actually, he has the gas in the car. He has the car pointing in the right direction. And he just says, get in the car and just go in the direction that the car is going in. Well, there's, no, there's nowhere to go except straight and south, right? There's no left or right. Or I mean, there are detours. You can go left or right. But God says, just go straight. And you just go straight and you end up in Homer. And so in our, in our lives, we're living for Jesus. And in living for Jesus, God says, walk in my ways. And, and you just know that if you're walking in God's ways, um, there are blessings that, that come from it. But there's no provable thing that says that God spoke to me from heaven and, you know, here's what he said. But we know that God is watching over his people. So God is very, very intimate with us. Um, and it's, a, it's, it's, it's absolutely impressive and amazing. We're, we're out of the days of miraculous. We know that, right? Um, again, we're out of the days of God's direct intervention with humans, but it doesn't take away from God's, God's care for his people. He is still moving and shifting this, you know, things the way it's supposed to be, like he's always done, right, to bring us to our ultimate end, which is uh, our heavenly home. Knowing that, isn't that every reason, another reason, to be positive? Here's my prayer. I want my faith. He's giving me all this evidence, right? I know he's with me. I know that he's caring for me every step of the way. I know he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. I know he has never left me, and he's never forsaken me. Therefore, I can't help but to be happy. Right? And so, so all that brings us to Psalm 139. Familiar passage. Um, you've read it over and over and over again. I just want to look at it. Tonight, in view of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and all the passages that go with it that brings us our provision and protection and strength from the Lord. But this is a scary verse to an, un, to an unfaithful Christian. The very, this is verse 1. <laughs> but if, if you're serving the Lord, it's, it's one of the... Uh, it and along with other scriptures that, that, go, that can, you can join to it, um, like Second Chronicles 16, verse 9, the eyes of the Lord in every place, uh, seeking those whom he can support, right? Um, that's pretty exciting. Uh, unless you're looking at, like, why is God always watching me? Well, don't you want God watching you? Right? Well, it depends on how you're living your life, right? Because there was a time when I didn't want God watching me, right? <laughs> I'm just being honest. You, maybe you could admit that too. But I'm so thankful that he is watching over me in my life now as I serve the Lord in verse 1, it's so exciting. Oh, Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. And that helps you in your prayer life. Just be honest. I mean, not disrespectful, irreverently. Just be honest. You don't have to say, well, I didn't really do it. No, if you did it, just go and tell him. <laughs> he knows. Just be honest, right? In our confession, be honest in our, in our struggle. Don't try to think of creative ways to explain to God what happened. Right? When maybe I'm guilty. Just be honest. God knows it. And I'm thankful he knows it. Because then God and, and God the Holy Spirit can take my words with reverence and take them to God and use that language that uh, the Holy Spirit uses to take that prayer to God in my weakness as I apologize to God for the wrongs that I've done or as I, as I uh, beseech God to help me in my current situation, not really knowing what I'm asking for, but knowing what I think I want, 
and then finally saying, but God, I got to admit, I don't know what I'm asking for, but you know, right? That's that verse. You know what I'm trying, what I'm saying, and I, I, I know how I feel, but that doesn't mean it. That doesn't mean I'm right. And and so help me, please, through through this situation, whatever it may be, whether it's um, someone's uh, attacking me, or I'm going through a difficulty, or a struggle, or an illness, or whatever it might be. Is it is it God? Are you trying to teach me something? What are you trying to tell me? Help me not to miss your message, if there's a message, right? If nothing else, there's gratitude. But if there's some message, help me to, help me to see it. You know, that's, that's the intimacy in our prayers, talking to a God whom we know, uh, who knows us, who's listening to us, right? Isn't that comforting to know that God knows? You know, you ever try to talk to someone and you, and you say things like we prelude some of our conversations by saying, let me try to find the right way to say this or the best way to say this. You don't have to do that with God. He already knows it. So you could just say, Lord, I'm, here's what I'm trying to say. I think, I don't even know what I'm, I don't even know what I'm praying about right now. Sometimes in my prayer, I realize, I'll say, and I, and I have gotten away from that because I realize, wait a minute, you're God. Uh, and I might ask God to, you know, continue to love and have patience with us. And I'm going, why am I asking God to do that? God already is full of love and patience, right? Instead, Thank you, God, for continuing to love and have patience. It's a difference, right? At least to me, there is. I know God loves us, and I know God is being patient, even, you know, toward me, his servant, and as I'm trying to do things according to his will. But instead of saying, help me be patient next week, too, God, I know, I, you're already in next week, and I, I'm so thankful because patience is part of who you are. And love is part of who you are. And I know that next week you'll be the same God as you are today, this week, right? Um, God knows. And, uh, and, I, and I like to say God has access to all knowledge. But there are some things we can agree that God doesn't know, right? Like when he says, just, just to do a real simple one. When he says your sins and lawless deeds, I'll remember no more. So that means if he forgot them, then he's forgotten them. So if he says, I'm clean, I'm clean through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so, but he knows what, what I'm going through. And then David uh, here, when, when he starts writing, if you remember all of David's writings, the first 72 chapters of the book of Psalm, and you read his writings, and you, you read the ups and downs in David's life. And you notice how David's psalms pretty much go. They kind of go, oh, God, help me. You know, here's <laughs> my situation. He's full of energy. And then, God, well, what are you doing? Look at all the stuff that's going on around me. God, what are you doing about it? And then he goes, oh, wait a minute. I know God's going to take care of it. What am I? You know, he kind of goes to this little, little train, if you will, or uh, ups, and, ups and downs, ups and downs. But he, he, kind, he comes back to, God, I know you got this, right, in pretty much every psalm. It always comes back to, Oh, Lord, I, I know you have. It's like Psalm, Psalm, Asaph, Psalm 73, the very next book, right? Psalm 73 is the second book. Uh, and in Psalm 73, uh, Asaph talks about how he almost slipped because he was looking at the world and he realized they were, they were blessed and they were prospering and their lives were great. And then he finally got a view from heaven and then he realized that he was in error, right? They were on a slippery slope, I believe he says, uh, and, and what a struggle it, it is for them. So for God's people, uh, we can be so positive for the, 
the intimacy that we know in this intimate relationship that we have with our God. Right? And if God's never left us, if we ever felt as if we're not as close, we already know, we know the answer, don't we? It wasn't God who moved, it was me. I know where to find him, right? I just got to go back to where I left him, come back to God. So let's look at verses uh, 2 through 6. Thou dost know when I sit down and when I rise up, thou dost understand my thoughts from afar, and thou dost scrutinize my path and my, lip, my lying down, and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there was a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, thou dost know it all. Thou hast enclosed me behind and before and laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. What is, what is the message from God? So we hear what David's saying, and he's right. He's inspired. Right? What is God's message in verses 1 through 6 to us about the intimacy, the acquaintance uh, that God has, the omnipresence, the omniscient power of God. Um, but what is God's message to me, his child, as I am striving in a, in a chaotic or an ungodly world to serve him? What is his message to me or to you from, in Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6? Anyone? Yes. I'm with you. That's, that's a powerful message, isn't it? It's, it's one that only God is qualified to say, Right? Um, because, yeah, what was that? He's in charge. charge, So I'm with you, and I'm in in charge. So even better, right? What else? Anything else? What is it saying? Yes. Ah. Yeah. I like that. He's protecting me. Yeah. So that's like Job uh, chapter 1, that hedge of protection, right? Um, That's why Satan couldn't get to Job. So he's all around me. He's in front of me. He's behind me. He's in charge. Uh, he's with me. What else is that? What, what are we getting? What is, what is God giving us in verses 1 through 6? Giving to us. What, what, about, what about when he says, you scrutinize me? What is it, why is that important? Why is that important? I mean, where, you know, where he, he says, you know, you're, you're intimately acquainted with me. You, scrutin, you scrutinize my, my path. It's in verse 3. Um, and so, you, you know, it, as I'm living, as I'm, as I'm walking for you um, in this journey, you know, is he not critiquing me? You know, like, think about this for a moment. Um, I'm on a journey, and if, if I go... If I'm going five miles and I'm off by one click, by the time I get to the end of those five miles, I'm kind of lost. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm way off to whichever direction that is, uh, that click there. I'm, I'm off by quite a bit. Uh, God, God critiques us. He, you know, he, um, and that's that idea of winnowing us in, right? He, he's, you know, he's, he's not letting us, he's a buffer. He's not letting us, it's like, it's like going bowling um, and you have the bumper pads up. <laughs> Right? You, he'll let you go a little bit over here and a little bit over there, but there's some bumper pads in there. You're going to hit the pin at the end of the day. Although my grandchildren have seen the miss sometimes. <laughs> anyway, um, but you know, that's, what, that's, what, that's the key, that idea of, of, you know, of keeping me fine-tuned. So let's think about that from a car engine. Right? Your car engine, if you just 
let it go, what's going to happen? You don't change the oil. You don't, you don't, you know, you don't treat it um, in a way that it's, it needs to be treated. What's going to happen to it? Think about a firearm. You just go out there and you just shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot, and you never clean the barrel, right? You never clean. You don't clean the springs. You know what's going to happen to to the trajectory of the uh, the, the the ammo? What what's going to happen? Nothing works the way it's supposed to work unless it's constantly tweaked. If that makes sense, right? So God is. He's uh, as the text was as was brought on a moment ago. He's winnowing us. He's scrutinizing us. He's 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 critiquing us. He's bringing us back. And not letting us get too far one way or another. Which reminds me of the orbit of the universe. Right? Isn't that great? You know, God keeps it right balanced. It goes a little bit to the left. And it goes a little bit to the right. You know, you get what I'm saying. And always is in a perfect spot. Not too far away. So we freeze to death. Not too close. We burn up. But there's this sway. Right? Because of the way the orbits. That's how God works. Right? And so that's the power of, of God in his order of things, right? And as long as I stay with God, I'm all right, right? And I think there's a powerful lesson um, in, in the book of Job for us uh, in chapter 1, being in that hedge of protection. Um, if it's a hedge of protection uh, or he, if he's surrounding us in that way in front of us and behind us, you've got to make effort to get outside of that protection. <laughs> and, and Job didn't, obviously. Satan, we know that whole situation but wow you know if you think about it to walk away from god takes effort and energy so let's just not even use our energy or effort uh in that in that way so the second half he asked the question okay speaking of god being omnipresent where can i go from you you know you're all you're everywhere all the time how many of us believe that it's hard to get our minds wrapped around that but is god everywhere all of the time? Is, that, is it true? Or is David like just some Old Testament writer uh, who's inspired, but he doesn't really have an understanding because he's not contemporary? <laughs> right? uh, yes, absolutely true, isn't it? And what we've done, sometimes what we've done as humans, and, and I'll just I'll say this because no, no children here, you know, we teach our kids that Santa Claus goes in the whole world in one night, you're taking from God. You're mixing them up, right? Don't do that. So God is everywhere, right, at all times. So that means that you can go anywhere with God and be all right. So Genesis 12, God said to Abram, go, go in a place I'll show you. He didn't say go left, go right, go east, go north, go south, go west. He just said go to a place that I'm going to show you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to show you. Abraham, you know, doesn't tell us how he started his journey, but that's one of those journeys where you start going, all right, um, you know, I don't know. That the recorded information is, um, it, it ends at go to, you know, leave your father's house, leave your, your, your family and go to a place I'll show you. Doesn't really give any kind of um, dictation as to where God was leading him. It was just going by faith, as you mentioned earlier. Just go. God will be with you. Yes. Yes. Right. 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 That's right. That's right. Uh, I mentioned I mentioned here that when he was young and 
knowing that God was everywhere, it was, it was a little uncomfortable because um, you can't get away with anything. But when you grow older, it's very comforting, right? In that scripture, Matthew 28, don't believe it when people tell you, when God says in verse 28, uh, and lo, I'm with you always. In, he's only with you when you're low, not in airplanes. <laughs> God's always, even, even in the airplane, right? He's always with us, right? And so what a, what a blessing that is and what comfort that is to know that um, as the, the new um, hospice care idea is that uh, no one dies alone, right? Or in the military, we say no soldier left behind. You know, we're going to get your, you know, that carcass and we'll come back for you. We won't leave you back. Or the living who are POWs, we're not going to leave you behind. But as a Christian, that's God's idea, if you will, right? God gave us that. But God is greater. Only God, who's in charge, uh, who's with us, uh, all around us, at all times, and always, um, can make that charge, if you will. Where can I go? Verse uh, 7. Where can I go from my, from my spirit? Or where can I flee from thy presence? If I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest parts of the sea, even there thy hand will lead me, and thy right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to thee, and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to thee. Uh, let me tell you something about this verse that is just, it's, when I was um, in, in Zambia, um, I went to this church building there, and we were in um, Salmanunda. And in Salmanunda, it's a very impoverished place. So there were like, there are 500 church people, if you will, members in this building, you know, a tiny building. 500, like, that's a lot of people anyway. Uh, and here today, not the funnest place to be. But anyway, um, at night, when, um, when it was dark, I can't, I don't know the hour of the evening, but the children came in, they were singing a song. And I didn't know the words of the song. And I was trying to figure out what are they singing about. They were pretty happy about it. But they were going through the motions, you know. And they were in this and like that. And I was like, what are they singing about? And, I, and they, they were singing a song. And I'm thinking about this verse that even darkness is not dark to thee because God's watching over us. The song is, is this. It's Satan goes around all day long and he attacks Christians. And whoop. He gets one, and whoop, you know, with the emotions. He gets another, and all through the day, he's chasing Christians, and, and every night, whoop, he gets another one. And by the time the night comes, he's so fat, because he's been eating all day, Christians and non-Christians, that he's too slow to move. And so you're safe at night. And I thought, okay, and God's protecting you. And I thought, well, okay, well, what is the purpose of that song? It's a great song, right? And I, I, can, I can imagine, it's great. God will protect you at night when it's really, really, really dark out there. Uh, and God's protecting you in the daytime. But what is the purpose of that song? And I found out the purpose of the song is not only to teach the children that God will protect you day and night, but also to teach the children that nighttime shouldn't be scary to you because God is there. So now you're talking about living in a place where there's lions and hyenas and right, and snakes and everything that wants to eat and kill you. And so you have to give the kids some kind of encouragement to say, you know, you can go out and go to the restroom. You can go out and be all right at night. And it just 
it just it just makes sense. So I think of Psalm 23 in this passage, uh, though I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, to know that God is with me in the darkness in the shadow, or when the shadow is gone, the darkness has revealed itself, to know that God is with us in our deepest, darkest moments that are just troubled. Maybe it's, a, it's an illness that has come our way, or we're um, getting through uh, death or the trauma of life that comes our way, and to know that even in those traumatic events in our lives, that God is there tonight. Again, the point of this, this lesson series is we've got to find comfort, right? And maintain a positive mental attitude. We don't mourn or grieve as do the rest. We, we have to be able to be the ones who are calm in the midst of a disaster. As calm as can be, right? At some point in our in our journey, when, when there's chaos everywhere, at some point, our minds have to be conditioned to where the first thing that we do is not solve the problem, but go to God in prayer and then solve the problem, right? And even if it's a quick prayer, you know, even if it's, Lord, help me with this, but go to God first and then go and solve the problem. And I know a lot of times in, in situations like that, when you're rescuing someone, you don't think about, and I hate to say it in this way, but you don't really think about God, you think about the mission. But, but what has to happen to the Christian mind is the Christian mind must always envelop God within the mission. Right? And he has to be the mission, if that makes any sense. That I'm going in the strength and in the power of God and not in my name. I'm going in the name of God. And that's what Galatians 6 talks about. That when you go to help someone, restore someone who is caught in iniquity, it says look to yourself first. Right? Lest you too be tempted. Lest you too fall astray. Look, look to yourself. Look to your relationship first with God. Get that. Make sure that's right and on, on par. And then go into that rescue mission, if you will, of helping a saint. We can do everything through Christ who strengthens us. And we can be positive throughout it. If we're looking to the one who is in charge and who's around us. right? Who's with us, in front of us. And behind us. And what a blessing it is. And so even in the darkest moments of despair, God's there. Right? Always. And, and maybe um, talking to some older folks who say, well, you know, um, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be on the earth. It's, it's getting kind of dark, if you will, in one way or another. Um, for some, it's, it's, you know, everyone has a different spirit. You don't know uh, what we're, I don't know how we're going to handle death until we're in that situation never been there before um, where you're actually going to die try to condition your mind now to be ready for that day right? to find that again uh, Hebrews 12 and verse 2 to find that joy to find that, that place that Jesus found when he was going to the cross that place the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame. He got into that place. He went to that garden and he prayed and he prayed and God helped him and he prayed and he got to that place and said, let's go do this. Right? So in life, um, that's maybe our goal to always try to be in that place. The place that Satan wants to move us from. The place that's closest uh, to God. In the Psalm, David is saying, God is not only Everywhere that I go, everywhere that I turn, everywhere that I stand, 
when I'm asleep, God's guarding me and watching over me. I have no fears. I have no worries. And yet, we know that David didn't always uh, exemplify that, as he, for example, as he fled from Saul. But as we think about, as he fled from Saul, what did he do? God? Were the, were the people of Keliah, will they, will they turn me in, or were they, God, should I go here, or should I go? God, what should I do? And God gave him the answer, and he trusted God, and he went in the direction that God wanted him to go. And so he knew he was protected in the cave. You know, Saul was in the cave, he was in the cave. What a, you know, wow, of all places you could be, and God, what should I do? You know, and he doesn't, doesn't kill him, although he could have. When he walks, when they, when they stand above Saul, above his head, and God put a deep sleep on Saul and his soldiers. David didn't know God put a deep sleep on, day, on Saul, rather, and his soldiers, but he knew God was with him, right? We might even, we might even um, glean the, the name or take the name, uh, the untouchables. <laughs> You know, we're not untouchable, but we know that, um, that God is always, always taking care of us, right? Always. It's, it's, um, it's, an, it's an unfair advantage um, that God has over Satan. And I say that, you know, kind of jokingly. You know, Satan has no advantage over God. So there's this positiveness to, oh, what am I going to do? I'm going to go to God. We always know where to go, right? I'm going to go to God, and I'm going to let God help me through this. It doesn't mean I'm not going to maybe sit at home and cry. It doesn't mean I'm not going to struggle through it. But I'm going to keep going to God and ask God to help me through. Right? And then I want God to help me to be an example to the world. I want them to see that through this tragic event or this emotional moment that I'm going to God. I'm going to tell them too. I'm going to God. Like I can't do this on my own, but I know God will help me through this. And so this has to be a condition of the mind. Second nature. right? It's kind of... It's not even something I think about. It's just something I do, right? And that's where we need to be uh, in God. David gives us good reason. There's nowhere you can go where God is not. And so what a comfort it is now as older Christians. Verse 13 through 16, and we'll go on to this next thought here. Um, For thou didst form my inward parts. Thou didst weave me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are thy works, and my soul knows it very well. You ever had a person ask you, um, so, so one of the questions is, what is my purpose in life? But to ask you, I don't even know why I'm here. Why am I here? And when they're in that suicidal mindset, what, do you, what answer do you give? Of course, it varies, right, depending on the situation. But oh, what a blessing to realize that the reason that I was born in this moment, in this hour, and that I live in this particular dispensation of time, this era, is because this is where God wanted me. Thank you, God. Right? So, okay, what if I lived in the days of, and we could play that game if we want, but this is where I'm supposed to be. Right? This is the era of time. This is the time that I'm supposed to live in. This is the place that I'm supposed to be. And I'm going to let God use me in this place, in this time. Because this is where I'm supposed to be. How many of us believe that? If God's in charge, and God's protecting us, and God's guarding us, and guiding us, and leading us, then he just say, okay, he can't do that. Because if he does that, he moves us with him. <laughs> right? He's, we are where we're supposed to be. 
So we find comfort then and joy in knowing that, you know, obviously we're fearfully and wonderfully made, but we, can, we find comfort and joy in being in the place that I stand. I'm where I'm supposed to be. As opposed to the other side. Ah, uh, you know, they were just at the wrong place at the wrong time. Right? I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Because I'm not going to go to the wrong place. Right? If, if the wrong place is in the desert, where the saints were, the, the Jews, they traveled, that wasn't the wrong place. They were with God. In the wilderness, that was the right place. Right? That was the only place to be. That's where God was. Right? He brought them into the land until they crossed the Red Sea. That's where they were supposed to be. When they were at the edge of the water and uh, the Red Sea and Pharaoh came along and they thought to themselves frantically, we're going to die here. No, that's where God wanted them to be. And then God always has a plan to take us from point A to point B. So, continuing on, I will give thanks to thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, verse 14. Wonderful are thy works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from thee when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Thine eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in thy book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there were, has been or was none of them. So, God's protection. Now, going back to Psalm 23, where do you want your sheep if you're a shepherd? In the best place possible, right? You want them where there's water. You want them where there's, there's feed. You want them where there's a place they can rest and they're protected and they're without danger. And if a man can figure that out, a shepherd, if a man can figure that out for sheep who are not made in the image of God, how much more does God have it figured out for us? Right? That's exciting. <laughs> That's the chief shepherd. That's right. That is the chief shepherd. And so when we live, and as we, li- as we live for God, as we are striving to, to serve God, and as we seek his protection, his provision, uh, his, his providential care, uh, know that God gives it to us in abundance, right? Because Psalm 23, verse 6, um, uh, Surely goodness right, and loving kindness shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness, and it's, a, it's amazing abundance, right, that God is giving to me. Now, here's an interesting scripture. Um, let's go to Proverbs 17. Um, and in Proverbs 17, verse 20-something, I don't know which one, 22? 22, yeah. All right. So now, what does a positive mental attitude help us with or help us through, or, or how does a positive mental attitude truly bless us? Um, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. And so, uh, in another place in Proverbs, it tells us um, that a cheerful heart is good medicine for the bones. Now, so um, in the in the bones is marrow, and the marrow produces blood, right? And so God is saying, look, if you keep a good, positive mental attitude. Um, you're, you're going to help yourself. You're going to help yourself heal. You're going to help yourself uh, feel better. Right? You're going to help your... Now we get into the psychological side of everything. You're going to feel better about life. 
You're going to feel better about the church family. You're going to feel better about your family. If you have a positive mental attitude, if you're looking, if you're looking to God, and if you're, if you're focused on, on God and, and God's goodness, if you're focused on what God has already done for you, and you're focused on gratitude, uh, God makes it clear. Proverbs uh, 15 and verse uh, 13, A joyful heart makes a cheerful face. But when the heart is sad, the spirit is broken. And let's just admit that when, our, when, our, when we're sad, so depressed people, when people are in a depressive state, they don't feel good. Right? No one feels good in a depressed state of mind. But how good do we feel when we find ourselves, I use something maybe kind of silly but maybe true, in Hawaii on the beach when it's, I don't know, whatever temperature it is and, or someplace on vacation and you go, all right, we're on vacation. Everything feels good, right? Even though it may not necessarily feel so good. There's just something about our spirit and our attitude, our minds. And so you have a power that God has given to each of us and that is we, get the power, we have the power to choose, right? And so it's difficult sometimes to dig deep down and to, and to find gratitude. But the more grateful you are, the better you'll feel, right? Gratitude. God, thank you. Have you ever thought about, um, just, I know you have, but just counting your blessings, you know? It's like, oh, I had a horrible day. And, um, and I asked the question, the whole day? Well, so this, this is what happened. And it's like the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? Gratitude. Thank you, God. I'm up again. Here we go. Another day. I don't even know what this day is going to hold, but something good. Because God is good, right? All right, Lord, I... I can face it, whatever it is, because of you. Help me to be what you want me to be today. Right? I don't, he said in Matthew 6, 34, don't worry about tomorrow. <laughs> Just do today, because tomorrow's going to have its own stuff, right? So thank you, God, for, for the day. Gratitude. Just thanking God constantly throughout the day. Thanking God. Thank you, God. for. I mean, this is now half the day. Wow. Half the day is gone, Lord. I mean, I mean but half the day is not half a day to you. You're outside of time. But to us... Half the day is gone. Now, the, the great thing about that is it was pretty good, right? Don't know what the next half's going to have, but thank you, God. It's just having gratitude. A cheerful heart is good medicine to the bones, right? So try to find that, that happiness in your day, every day, and as, as often as you can throughout your day. Just, just thank you, God, right? Thank you, God. It's like when a person is out and He's banging nails. And I'm only speaking from my own um, knowledge. And, he, you know, you hit your thumb because you're not skilled, right? And you just have to say, well, you know, I, I've, I swung this hammer uh, uh, 400 times a day. And this is only the second time I hit my thumb. Thank you, God, for the 398. <laughs> right? I mean, you just got to find a way, all of us, to find happiness. There's always joy in our day because of God. Right? So, all right. Uh, any comments in, in closing? And we'll come back, Lord willing, uh, next week. All right. Thank you very much for your time tonight. We'll come back uh, next week and jump on to our next uh, subject. Thank you. Or subtopic.